Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy. This is the weekly rugby podcast review roundup. I'm joined as ever this week by Liam O'Brien. Liam, how are things? Oh, mighty Mark, good to see you already. Very good. I suppose, Marky, headlines here before we start here. I suppose we were going to review the action from the URC. We're back back to the league uh, stages again after the Guinness Six Nations. So, the Marky headlines involving the Irish provinces. Munster hitting 50 points on Benetton at a packed Musgrave Park uh, last Friday night. Tom Daly gets sent off. Benster hit 40 plus points against Connacht. Ulster Rugby denied a win at the end against the DHL Stormers 23 20. I suppose, Liam, kind of uh, starting with the Munster Banaton game, uh, what was your stand up moments on that one? It was quite an entertaining affair. Yeah, it was. It was a huge entertaining affair. In terms of stand up moments, yeah, I, I'd have to say Gavin Coombs is back in a bit of bang big time, you know. We barred over for his try. That was quite impressive. And also, yeah, I'd also say that the. Zebo, Zebo took his try really well as well. You know, it, it, it made it look easy. Yeah, we, we we were fairly comfortable throughout that game, I have to say. I do like Musgrave Park. I do like the atmosphere down there, particularly when it's down in Cork. Uh, there is a different vibe about it, and particularly with the amount of the West Cork contingent to the West Cork Mafia uh, down there, I think it really kind of, uh, the fixture really kind of told its own story. I thought the Cork representation was nothing short and sensational uh, during the game. I think Gavin Coombs, I thought, had a monster, monster game. And now this is against the Benetton uh, rugby team, let's face it, Liam, had most of their marquee Italian internationals back. So this wasn't like kind of a token representational side that Benetton had put out here. Uh, they were kind of going all out for the victory. But again, I think from early stages, top breakdown work was on point. I think the South African tour, we mentioned it last week here, Liam, I think it's been so beneficial to an awful lot of the young players, particularly in terms of the breakdown work, the clearing of rooks, getting the rook ball out there uh, to our halfbacks, and really was shown to full effect during the 80 minutes uh, last Friday night. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, on point. Josh Witchery is like kicked on from South Africa again, big time. Casey was, yeah, just like Casey's been a, a live wire in, in that game. And yeah, it's, um, Munster played a very fast game and as you said Moscow Park I think it lends itself to that sort of type of game as well yeah I'm very impressed with how we went about with so many tries there um good to see them and DLN they actually get the score sheet as well and uh hopefully Zebo will be back in time for the key European games exactly you know there was a nasty nasty knock that he took as well but I suppose we can go down through the tries here uh uh, Matt Gallagher, who is the party monster at the end of the season for Bath Rugby. I mean, he started with a nice little line break in 18 minutes. Craig Casey with, a, I thought, probably one of the tries of the season again. It was just that, uh, you know, that line break from Hodnett again. I thought Hodnett was absolutely superb again in all facets of play. I think it's only a matter of time until he gets called up into an Irish squad. You know, the pro- the progression from the, the Ross Carberry man has been phenomenal. Setting up the chance and Casey going over. Zebo on 45 minutes. Combs 64. O'Sullivan with a nice try on 69 minutes. And then, as you say, Delende 77 minutes. Again, Benetton did respond here. Um, I thought Rhino Smith's try was an absolute spectacular effort right on halftime. Uh, the re 54 minutes and then Braley with a consolation score. But I suppose one of the hallmarks here as well as Ben Healy's performance, I thought, uh, Liam, from a 10 jersey perspective. Yeah really did set the marker here nine kicks out of nine 
he looked absolutely unerring during that performance and I suppose Van Grand does have a decision to make in terms of the Leinster rugby game. You have a guy in Healy that's playing top of the ground stuff at the moment. Uh, what do you do if you're in Van Grand's uh, head coaching shoes ahead of uh, ahead of Leinster at the weekend? Yeah, uh, but all his kicks were were not easy kicks. He really, it was like a Dan Carter-esque kicking performance. I thought, I genuinely thought that, and his distribution is is just top quality. For me, I mean. Yeah, it's it certainly is a dilemma for Van Grand, but I I would have Casey, or I mean not Casey, but I would I would have Healy at the moment, uh, starting myself. I think he's just in form. Yeah. And you can't really say that about Carberry, like as good a player as as Carberry is, you can't you can't quite say he's up to form at the moment. Yeah, and I'm agreeing with you here, Liam. I think against Leinster you have to test these guys out now. I mean. Leinster Rugby's team selection will be fascinating watch as well, and we'll get to them in a few minutes. But I think team selection might be a bit of a mix between some marquee players, but also a few guys that are looking to put the hand up, particularly in European Cup games, that might be on the outside of that first 15. So why not? Why not put Healy in and Casey in against Leinster? Really kind of show the depth chart here. I mean, if you have your backout strategies here, insurance strategies in Murray and, uh, and Carberry, yeah, but I think these guys... Their cohesion at the moment has been very good, excellent. And from a head coaching perspective, you have to kind of pick on form. I think Healy's performances in recent weeks have been pretty much on point. I mean, we're kind of seeing Gavin Coombs will obviously be there. It would be very interesting to see who the marquee guys are coming in. Obviously, like Peter Manny, Ty Byrne, maybe coming into contention. But at least Van Grand has a bit of a selection poser on a few guys, particularly after South African tour. I think we asked for the young guys to really step up. And I think to a certain extent, you see Josh Wisherly, Finney Wisherly, guys at that ilk, Isaac Stellan, John Hodnett, O'Sullivan. Guys like that are really stepping up to the plate here right now. And, you know, they're really suited to this fast early spring ground as well, where we're, line breaks are going to be absolutely precious. And these guys have the speed and physicality to actually get there. So I don't know what would you be your thoughts Um Liam, in terms of a Munster first 15 uh, to face Leinster next weekend. Well, I certainly like to see Hodden have been given a, a right go at it, like starting. You know, I think he's pretty much the starting seven. Anyway, irrespective of who else is available, Kendellan probably won't start, but like certainly he, he, he'll he come on early in the second half for a big impact. And again, like what, what halfback partnership do you put? Like, so do you put Casey along with Healy and have... Murray coming on to close out the game, you know, as he kind of does for Ireland, you know, that would be quite fascinating as well. And then, yeah, you're looking at even centre. Like, do you go with Rory Scannell alongside, say, Dale Inde? That's That could be an intriguing one as well. And they, even, I would say, Josh Witchery definitely has put his hand up for loose head. A tight head prop, it still looks like it's it's... John Ryan is there and uh, Archer as well. Yeah, so Keenan Knox hasn't really put his hand up for me so far anyway. Really hasn't, has he? I mean, the minimal minutes in the South African tour. Yeah, you know, we talked about Roman Salanoa as well. These were the two prospects that we really were looking for progression this year. Fortunately, due to injuries and setbacks, they haven't really achieved what they needed to achieve. So I think that'll be an interesting kind of end of season review talk with those two players with management uh, going forward. 
I suppose one person we should note here, and I think he probably won't be involved in the 23 this weekend or in Europe, is probably Matt Gallagher. But I thought, in fairness to him, a good game from him. Two line breaks, keen breaks, three defenders beaten, 44 metres. Got his well-worked try as well in the first half to open this up as well. Going to be a quality acquisition for Bath Rugby. And again, another guy that is going to be pushing the likes of Haley, guys like that again. So I think give kudos to Matt Gallagher here. At least it kind of steadies the boat a little bit for Munster. This result of 51 points, nice to be scoring that. But again, it's a big, big test against Leinster uh, next weekend. I think different cheeses, I'm afraid. Uh, Benetton, again, were kind of found a little bit wanting defensively, particularly that quick rock, rock ball defensively. They weren't able to cope with it. So, And they will face uh, Connacht uh, next weekend at home. And I mean, we'll probably get to that game here, uh, Liam. I presume you've seen that game in the sports ground. Uh, three minutes gone. Uh, Tom Daly's tackle on Kieran Frawley. Right card. I suppose there's no complaints there, is there? No, no, not really, not really. There, there, there was leading there, and there was contact made, and yeah, you can't really argue that, like you know. Um, and then of course, yeah, I mean, you had and a fairly even first half, really. Like the Connacht back row were, were certainly well in the game. Leinster barreled over for a try, and then beautifully worked try from Connacht. Beautiful pass, cutout pass, loop pass from McCarthy. Lovely finish. He'd already got a. It was seven point seven nil. Then he got a penalty seven three, and then eight seven for half time. So it was all up in the air. Then of course that stage, you know, you can still with fourteen men, you can still certainly uh, win a game. But yeah, in the second half, complete capitulation. The the O'Brien rudder, the O'Briens ran riot in the second half. Uh, Tommy is is going to be turn out to be some player. Um, Jimmy and uh, Osborne. Just fabulous, fabulous lines of running. Lines of running, I think, is what, is what I would I'd say. Like, and, and, and support lines. It was just constant. I think Jimmy and Tommy, for you, are twin terrors, aren't they? With ball in hand. They're just incredible running lines. I think Tommy really showcased himself very well. Now, I have to applaud Leinster at halftime because Connacht, well in it. As you say, Liza Keen Pendergast, Paul Boyle. I thought Connor Oliver was immense in that first half. The amount of breakdown work that he was doing, slowing ball down, winning turnover ball. But I thought Leinster's adjustments at halftime really did prove pivotal. They really did start to work that front five of Connacht a little bit more. And, I mean, it just was an incessant pressure, really, wasn't it? I mean, the, the Connacht pack then literally were on the back foot. And I think, unfortunately for Connacht, the scores then started to concede fairly quickly. They're on shaky ground as it is. After the Edinburgh rugby um, performance on the road, I suppose the only positive for Connacht, at least he saw three of their potential signings uh, face them uh, at the weekend. Hawk Shaw, Josh Murphy, uh, who else was there? Peter Dooley as well came on as well. I mean, all good, great cameos. But I thought just the Leinster pack, I think, really did regroup at halftime. And sometimes, you know, Leinster probably were guilty a little bit of overplaying. Probably in that opening period, really did get the fundamentals spot on. Second half game was completely blown open uh, in that third quarter. But I suppose, Liam, I thought one of the stars of the show was Kieran Frawley. I'm not sure about you. We've talked about the 10 depth chart within the Ireland setup. We're now expecting Johnny Sexton to be in cotton wool until World Cup 2023. For me, Kieran Frawley is the bolter. I think he's the guy that could be a potential backup to Sexton in 2023. Uh, what would you be your thoughts on that given? Now, you can say Connacht against 14 players, but 
I just I just think he's versatility. I think he has the all-round game to become a very successful uh, fly half. Yeah, um, he certainly has the all-round game. I, I would just classify him as an out-and-out footballer. What I had thought before was Frawley could make the team as, as a 12, as a, a kicking up, really good kicking option as well, to, to ease the, the pressure on Sexton even. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a viable option at out-half, isn't he, really? I mean, when you when you look at the other options, Billy Burns, Jack Harty, <laughs> Emmett Byrne, you know, Harry Allen really got much game time, um, and then you're down to Joey and uh, and Healy as well. So I mean, yeah, absolutely, he's a he's a certain real bolter for sure. Um, but again, you know, it would it would have to be tried out in the heat of New Zealand to see what he's capable of, for sure. And that's the that's the ultimate test. Exactly. I think his versatility as well. He can easily slot in a 10, 12, 13 and 15. I mean, he covers multiple positions in that back line and half back uh, position. So I think if I was Andy Farrell here, I would really, really be considering. And particularly if Roddy can feature in this Leinster European playoff push. My God, if he gets prominent game time and is a prominent performer, which I believe he would be given how stacked that side is, uh, I think there's no reason for him not to be getting on a plane to New Zealand. I mean, I suppose getting back to the game here, uh, Liam, for Connacht, uh, I think, John, I think some of the stats here for Connacht, particularly in that second half, makes for a very sorry reading. I mean, overall, they missed 35 tackles. I know they're down to 14 players, but I mean, your fundamentals is your first time tackling. Just that's far too high, I would say. Um, now, the success, tackle success rate of 80%. You can mitigate that by being down 14 players for a huge portion of the game. But I think it is uh, kind of a another worrying stat here for Connacht. I think they're pack-wise as well. They definitely needs to be beefed up. And now the likes of um, Tornbury, I would hope, would start to come back into this a little bit. This Benetton rugby game next weekend here, Dean, for Connacht, I think, forget URC playoff standings aside, I think it's a pivotal game for Connacht just in terms of how they arrest this slide. I've seen kind of Twitter commentary in terms of just absolutely benching the first teamers, really go all out against Leinster. But this is a confidence so, a confidence issue with Connacht right now. So how do you see Connacht playing the Treviso game or Benetton game uh, at the weekend? Do you think that they will put uh, their first 15 on to build a bit of confidence or will they maybe hold back a few guys? Yeah, no, I, I think I think you will see the likes of uh, Bondi Aki and and back for this game, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, winnable games still have to be won, and you still have to treat Benetton with respect. So, after the last few weeks, they need a win badly, you know. And I mean, otherwise, you could actually see them not winning between now and the rest of the season. I mean, that could actually happen too. So, um, yeah. So they they have to get the points on the log and. Get the get their season back on track. I would go with you. I think, I think, and the yeah, I think from a Connacht head coaching perspective, they need a result in Ballon Rugby, and it hasn't been a very successful hunting ground for Connacht in recent years. I think at the Rainbow Cup as well. Once they made all the hard work against Munster to get turned over by Benetton Rugby quite easily, I think they need a result here, particularly next weekend, because if they go in with another loss against Leinster, heading into the European playoffs i think geez that's uh that's looking pretty daunting when you're bringing back all the marquee leinster guys back in on that friday night game but um 
as you, I think you mentioned Tommy O'Brien. I thought Tommy O'Brien was absolutely superb. I think he showcased his ability beautifully uh, with his running lines. I believe he had 100 plus meters uh, during the game, 105 meters. And Jimmy O'Brien as well with the three offloads. Um, I don't know what it is about Eadstown, but I mean, you've Ty Byrne, you've Jimmy O'Brien, you have Jamie Osborne or Jamie Osborne as well. My God, there is an absolute conveyor button in Eadstown. But in terms of the Leinster Academy and squad here, they're just continuing to churn out these outstanding quality footballers. Liam, what is the secret? Yeah, it, it, it's the way they're coached, quite frankly. And maybe maybe Munster just don't have that, that vast number of, of coaching structure in place. They, they, they come in almost immediately into the first team as complete footballers. Like you'd like, expect uh, in New Zealand, you know, in New Zealand, uh, a schoolboy comes straight into the uh, New Zealand provincial sides and just are, are stars straight away. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, as to what they're doing. They have obviously vast resources. Now, I have re- read recently, you know, interviews at Munster Obi about funny enough that there there's a specific personnel appointed to strengthen rugby in Limerick itself, other areas. So um it's I think it's all it's ultimately all down to that, isn't it? It's all it's all down to what coaching you get at a certain age. Yeah, I'd agree with you to a certain extent, Liam, but I think the versatility of the players as well. I'll take the Jimmy O'Brien uh, example here and we've seen Jimmy O'Brien at fifteen. We've seen him in the back three, and we've seen him at 12. This guy, when he was in schools rugby, was a promising, aspiring fly half at Newbridge College. That, to me, is kind of showing the skill set of these guys, that even at an early age, that they can transition so seamlessly into these roles that the Leinster Academy kind of say, well, I don't think you're going to fit in fly half, but we're going to kind of have you have as a role in the three quarters. They can, they're so versatile, a lot of any of them, Adam Byrne, they can play in multiple positions. They're so multifaceted, which is, I think, a credit to, I think, the coaching, the grassroots, where they started their rugby careers. Obviously, schools in Leinster is phenomenally strong. And ultimately, when they get to Leinster Academy, their strength and conditioning, their execution of the basics, the fundamentals has been nothing short and sensational. I think it's one of the world-class academies uh, in terms of nurturing this talent from being very, very aspiring to getting to the next level, representing your province and ultimately representing Ireland and ultimately British Irish lines as well. That conveyor belt has continued and will continue. So I think for Munster, Connacht and Ulster to a certain you know, lesser extent, I think Ulster's got, grassroots is pretty strong as well. But I think definitely from a Munster perspective, more has to be done in terms of identifying that raw talent a little bit more. I think it's probably welcome in terms of Limerick. Now I know Crescent won the seniors. Uh, Crescent Comp won seniors this year, but there had been a bit of a famine in terms of seniors. Um, senior schools uh, success has been dominated by Cork predominantly, and you can see the West Cork schools as well gaining in prominence as well. So I think that has to be applauded. Um, I mean, not too long ago, Arts Gold Reach was a flourishing rugby school. Now it is a fully fledged hurling school, really. Even though they do participate in the rugby, results really haven't really gone much in the way. Really, you're only looking at Munchens. You're looking at Crescent Comp really as the two kind of predominant uh, Limerick schools. Uh, probably I'll get Twitter aggro for that particular comment, but uh, you know what I mean there in terms of the schools. Yeah. I mean, schools really is, is the gauge, isn't it? In terms of what your underage, what your grassroots are, 
to get to the next level. And yeah, it's not something that's going to be fixed overnight, Liam, that's for sure. But uh, no, it was a good win for Leinster eventually. Uh, Connacht, I suppose, have been licking their wounds up here, but I think it's a key game against Benetton. And I suppose uh, the local derby fixtures against Leinster again will... Well, if it doesn't send motivation for Connacht after what happened last Saturday night, I think nothing will. So I'd hopefully... I would hope that Connacht will improve and galvanise themselves for that uh, last 16 tie. Liam, we'll go on to the Ulster Rugby DHL Stormers match. Now, admittedly, I did not watch the game, but I've seen an awful lot of press in terms of what happened in the closing stages. A 23-20 win for the DHL Stormers, but when the URC head Supremo is essentially apologising Tulsa to rugby over an officiating decision. It just really doesn't paint the league in any great light, does it? Yeah, it doesn't. And I think the key thing here too is when you have South African officials, you know, at home officiating and um, deciding on a, a controversial decision in the end for Stormers. The game itself was a very fast-paced open game, but the... Um, Stormers raced into a 14-0 lead after 14 minutes, two well-worked tries. And Evan Royce, the, 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 the guy they're all talking about as the replacement for Dwayne Vermeulen, he, he shone in that particular period. But I have to say, for the rest of the game, you're talking about pretty much 65 minutes, it was all Ulster. And um, Vermeulen certainly won that battle, I can tell you. He's, he stood around. Ulster dominated up front. Uh, at line out at scrum, Marty Moore, yeah, Marty Moore's put up his hand up again for Ireland. You know, we're we're talking about with like tight head prop, um, he barred door for a try to make it fourteen five, and we had Stuart McCluskey just had a very easy walk through the Stormers' defence pretty much without a hand leaving him, um, and then it came, yeah, I mean seventy seven minutes, um, it was twenty three twenty. And the Ulster try was disallowed for Callum, uh, Callum Reed, and it was the, 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 it wasn't clear to me what 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 the ref was looking for. You know, it was almost like <laughs> is it a knock on? Is it a forward pass? It was like you know, it was almost trying <laughs> to 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 disallow the try. It was just looking for a reason. You know, Ulster were claiming. That the um, Stormers flanker knocked the ball on, and that basically then Reed was able to just place the ball. Um, whereas the, the ref was determining that Reed somehow knocked on the ball. And, and any kind of review video of that would see that Reed definitely didn't knock on, on that ball at all, that he placed it down properly. So um, that's a, a huge, huge decision for, for Ulster in terms of them wanting to claim top spot in the URC in this season. Yeah, I think it's a key call. I mean, in the context of the playoffs, I'm just thinking in terms of what Ulster have to face next weekend up in the Loftus Versfeld against the Bulls. Munster have seen in full effect that that is no easy place to go and get a result. It only puts Ulster into a little bit of pressure. And I know, Liam, you've been mentioning in previous weeks in this podcast regarding South African teams and how their home form now is really going to elevate them up the table here. You know, so I think from, oh, I suppose, an Irish interest perspective, 
are we looking for Ulster Rugby to do a little bit of damage against the Bulls uh, at the weekend? Yeah, we're, we're we're looking for Ulster, and I suppose when when it comes to Connacht and Leinster's turns as well, <laughs> she's just unique away in basically um, for 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 the sake of Irish teams and and for our for our own uh, interest as well, because even the Lions are coming off the table. I mean, <laughs> they're nearly overtaking Connacht and the Ospreys. You know, it's 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 ridiculous, and it does look that come the end of the season, whatever happens in the next few games, that Three of the bottom sides are going to be the Welsh. You're going to have the you're going to have the the, the two Italians and and three Welsh teams in the bottom, which is absolute disaster for for, for the Welsh rugby league. But um, yeah, um, I think that in the the Bulls game, realistically, it could be a tough one now for Ulster. They had their pretty much their first choice team out in that game and. Traditionally, what the teams seem to be doing on tour is in one game, whichever it is, you play your, your first choice. And then the second game, you you rest some of those guys and give the other guys a chance, which is what a tour is kind of essentially all about anyway. So I, I, I can see Ulster resting a few key players in this game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And again, a small matter of a, a French side called Toulouse the following weekend in Stade Toulousean. I mean... I hate to say this from an Ulster rugby perspective, but this could be a very shaky next few weeks for Ulster if they don't get their player management spot on here, particularly if they start to commit a few more first frontliners to the Bulls game. What is the priority right now? Is it URC or is it European Cup rugby? I mean, McFarland has definitely set the tone in terms of bringing the full the full squad over to South Africa. That has its benefits. But I think the bigger picture here is that Toulouse game. My fear here is that Toulouse will beat Ulster by 20-plus points, making it second leg null and void. That it's a dead rubber match, essentially. And I don't know. I think with the Bulls, the Bulls are going to progressively improve. Um, Again, uh, they've won again last weekend. They're picking up form. I, I'm i a little bit concerned for Ulster and not comforting whatsoever by the head of the URC, head of referees, uh, acknowledging that late try should have stood. Now, Gianluca Nietzsche is a, literally a very promising up-and-coming Italian referee, but that is a bad mistake. And I think the TMO as well, I suppose TMO has, will argue that really, yes, he's been directed by the referee on the pitch for a decision, but it didn't look good in terms of the communication strategy. And that's the only thing I've really seen, is that kind of last few moments of that uh, disallowed try and it just didn't look good it has been repeated times where we've seen URC officiating decisions like that where the communication between TMO and referee hasn't been there and again it repeated itself here so I think hopefully for the referee involved TMO involved as well Quentin Immelman who is very capable TMO I think people will learn from this hopefully but again it's bringing into light this whole officiating um Situation for this league, it's a fledgling league. It has to be better in terms of the officiating. Uh, don't be bringing up Ben Whitehouse's name here, but the Bulls game, particularly the Cadellan incident. I mean, even before Bismarck Dupuisisco gets sent off, I mean, what justifies you know force now? I mean, you know that inconsistency when you see a Six Nations game and it's a straight red, but in a URC game it's not. So I think there is a credibility issue here in the URC officiating. And I think for the URC head of referee, I think he needs an urgent conference call with all head coaches right now. 
to really start determining a little bit in terms of TMO reviews of these sort of instances because there's too much on the line now for teams. We're now three to four games out from the end of the regular season. Teams may not qualify for Champions Cup given these decisions. Now, I don't think it's going to happen for Ulster per se, but I think for other teams it may happen. So I think what is the what's the outcome here? I think we need improvements in terms of the officiating. I think the Rugby League do quite well over in the UK in terms of how they meticulously analytically look at video frames and everyone is very transparent in terms of what's being said. I don't see that in terms of the URC right now and that needs to be improved upon. But I think for Ulster, going back, I mean, it's a tight loss. It'd be nice if they could get a morale boosting win against Bulls, but I so, certainly don't see it. And then it's all then primed for uh, the Toulouse game and I think the team will have to be well galvanised going into Toulouse. I think uh, Toulouse will be uh, looking to make a statement given what happened at the end of the, the regular group stages of the European Champions Cup where the COVID nearly knocked them out. They may have a statement to prove to everyone there and I'm just a little bit fearful for Ulster here, Liam. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and again, you're looking at, um, I suppose, like Toulouse have been quite strong as, as a backbone for the, for the French side. So there's plenty of momentum there, that's for sure. And yeah, I mean that that's the thing though about this two-legged affair. I, I don't I don't understand it for a start. You know, last sixteen or whatever. I, I don't understand why they're for a, last sixteen. It's a two-legged affair, and suddenly you get into a, a straight knockout quarterfinal. So um, I think it's to compensate probably for the lack of in the group games where before you had three clear home and three clear away games. You know, and again, you also wonder like you know what way then you should be drawn um in in some instances it, it could be better to be drawn away first and to know what you have to do but I, in the instance of, of to lose it's quite the opposite i think quite the opposite and i think Ulster have been absolutely rotten unlucky in terms of the way that last weekend unfolded i didn't suspect that Ulster would be thinking to lose in the last 16 maybe in the last eight maybe in the last four one-off game but really, in these last 16, are really the best squad would probably prevail. And I do get your point here, Dean. What's the advantage of someone topping the group if they are 15 points down going into the second leg at home? The pressure is absolutely heaped on that team to get an early score. And you know, inevitably, the team, the away or the, the lower seed, will relish that. The crowd gets panicky and everything else. So I think that'll be an interesting dynamic here on these last 16 fixtures that... Um, we've kind of seen in the playoff championships, particularly over in England um, in the past, where first leg, second leg, and that second leg particularly where the favourites are supposed to advance, it's a whole different ball game In terms of the pressure, it gets tightened, and performance-wise, it doesn't really kind of hit the levels for that team. So I think for any of these top seeds, I think the key is to stay within the seven points and then make sure that you get the job done at home. Um, pure and simple fascinating I think there's a few games there particularly with the Racing 92 staff and we'll talk about this in the next week or so uh, Liam ahead of the European Champions Cup previews but I think games like that local derby games the, the form goes out the window essentially but you know I think for the last 16 it is that safety net for the likes of a Leinster Rugby or maybe Racing 92 to a certain extent the big teams that their squads should absorb that 7 day turnaround or 6 day turnaround and uh, yeah, that'll be an interesting dynamic for sure. Liam, can we get uh, a few predictions from you? Uh, just in terms of these games here. I mean, 
we kind of talked about Munster Leinster a little bit. I mean, team selection kind of up in the air at the moment, but if we go with the assumption here that there is going to be a combination of marquee players along with a few fringe players involved in both sides, who are you tipping here in Tom Park on Saturday night? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a must-win game for for Munster. You know, I mean, realistically, you know, with this game, we've we've Cardiff game, you know, and then we have you have Ulster away and and Leinster away, which I can't really see us getting much much points from. So needs must, and the, the team with the with the with the great sometimes with the greater motivation does the business and and takes the win. And again, it depends on what kind of a side that, that, that we pick, you know. If we pick a, a powerful, pacey back row, if we, we with the likes of Coombs, maybe O'Mahony, and uh, we'll go with, I suppose, Hodden as well. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, I, I'd, I'd be also hoping that maybe we, we might do something like put Craig Casey and... Ben Healy together at halfback. You know, we just need to ask more questions of Leinster because we haven't done any asking. We've just been beaten up up front and and a lack of imagination then behind a scrum. And uh, if we can do that, um, I think we have a very good chance of of taking a, a victory. Um, very kind of sneaking a victory by like three points. So I I'd be kind of tipping Munster. Um, yeah, three point win against Leinster. Benetton v Connacht? Yeah, Benetton v Connacht. I mean, as I said, Benetton can be a tough place to go for for some teams in the URC. And we have Connacht really in dire need of, of a victory. Um, if they get it, again, it'll be just the, the tightest margins. Um, expect to see Bielan back and Aki back as well. And... Connacht still have a really good back row once they get going, once they get motoring. Um, I would go Connacht by five points. Perfect. And the Bulls, the uh, Ulster and Loftus Verfeld. This is this is kind of the, the tie where, where uh, it's the first week when Ulster have clearly selected their their strongest possible side, and uh, this week there'll be a bit of a mix and match, I reckon. Um, the Bulls are certainly getting more powerful with each passing week. And in Lotus first felt, you know, it's going to be, I think it really is going to be a thing where 20 minutes to go, where all starts going to be absolutely out in their feet. So I'm going to go Bulls plus 12 points. Yeah. Uh, I suppose Munster Leinster, what I would like from this departing head coach is to be a bit more ambitious in his team selection than what he's done previously before in URC or Guinness Pro 14 uh, fixtures by trying to front up and play a conservative kicking style. I suppose we saw realms of it in the Rainbow Cup where we got a little bit ambitious, but then we have to kind of consider personnel issues in terms of Leinster on that day. But I would be rewarding certain players who have stood up in the last few weeks, particularly during the Six Nations. Uh, and we said, I think the Healy, Casey, 9-10, has to be explored, or 9-10 KC Crowley. Now, if there's either of your directives and Carberry's in there, fair enough, but I think you have to start rewarding these young guys and really testing them out against the best of the best. Um, for Leinster, I suspect the likes of a Sexton may come back in, but I'd be more fearful of some of the guys that have been impressing so far, like Tommy O'Brien, Jimmy O'Brien, these sort of guys. 
absolutely phenomenally on form at the moment. I would be worried for us from a back three perspective if those two guys were basically in there. I'll largely hesitantly give this to Leinster by three. I still think that there's still uh, a bit of an issue here in terms of front five from Munster to maybe secure that pla- pack platform that's required to win this game. But I think it's going to be pretty close. Uh, Bennett on Connacht. I think it's Connacht backed against the walls. Situation for Connacht. To be perfectly honest, from a URC playoff perspective, that should be completely out of minds here in Galway. I think just focus on the next game. Two sides that are capable of creating with attacking-wise at any given point. I think that'll be a nice game, hopefully, if the weather holds up in Benetton. I hope the Connacht win. But I have this nagging doubt here. There's a mentality issue here creeping in, particularly when teams get on top of them, particularly in that third quarter of games, that they don't seem to be able to arrest that slide. The wretched record in Benetton in the last few years. I'm unfortunately going to side with Benetton here, I think. Benetton may age this by three to five points, and I think it's a maybe if that happens, I think that's a you know an awful setup going into those Leinster's last 16 fixtures. After Bulls and Ulster, I think this is maybe an anonymous game for Ulster. Loftus Verfield is a tough place to go. The altitude as well, Liam, going into to lose the following weekend and the impact of that, I think that's where my game management of players is really coming in here. It's all well and good to play the Stormers down in the Cape but it's a different story going to Transvaal uh, and really kind of looking at that so I think from my perspective the Bulls I think by 12-15 I think this is a side that's growing week on week I don't see anything here from Ulster and I think Ulster will be bitterly disappointed with last week hopefully that doesn't get into this performance it can't they've seen with Munster if they give Bulls any or first 15-20 minutes they will destroy you I think Bulls I think by 12-15 as well Liam, we'll go to contract news. I suppose the best-kept secret in all of Munster is now officially out. The press release, I suppose, was vague to a point, but it really did confirm an awful lot of things that we have been confirming here in this, this podcast at the start of the year. Damien Delende is leaving Munster Rugby at the end of the regular season. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, um, he is leaving, and it's definitely not to bat because it's pretty much stated at that as well that he's definitely not going to bat. So it's going to be a, a club in the, the Southern Hemisphere, we call it. So it'll be either, obviously, South Africa or Japan. He has been with the Panasonic Knights before in Japan. So that's a possibility. Um, he said it, it's unfortunate that he was leaving. But, um, you know, like a, like a, my view on, on a lot of the South African players is, is there bang for the buck there anymore, you know, until the seasons are actually aligned? Um, it's 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 hard to think that, that they're going to give you any any value at all, apart, apart from turning up maybe around European Cup time. Um, but when he, when he has played for us, he certainly has played well enough. He hasn't quite shown the form, has he, of... of uh, South Africa, that sort of World Cup winning form. Um, so um, yeah, it was it was kind of obviously from a few months ago when Fat Fekatoa was signed. It was pretty much signed and sealed that he was leaving. Yeah, I think it's just a mysterious enigma of where he plays his rugby. If I had a bet, which I'm not going to bet on, but I think DHL Stormers is probably a good bet where he's going to be next year. It'll be a one year contract. He's back home at Razzie. 
he's back home with most of the South African squad. And they're going to prepare for Rugby World Cup 2023 all down in South Africa and be a formidable force. I think the contract to Japan will probably follow the following season. But I think I think this is where probably loose ends are in terms of the contract and where he goes back to in South Africa particularly. But he has a history of playing with the Western Province and also DHL Stormers. So I think that probably would be his preference. Um, in terms of his monster career, in fairness, his versatility has been good. You compare that to other... South African imports. I don't want to be naming names here. You know the one uh, that we've had during the season. He hasn't played any, any minutes for us. But in fairness to uh, to Delandy, he has been very uh, prominent. And I would probably argue we haven't seen the best of him. I think it's just been the game plan. Uh, that go forward ball, quick rough ball, hasn't really been there for him at certain moments. But take nothing away from the guy. His physicality, his ball-carrying ability, his defensive line speed his organization world class so i think from that perspective it'll be sad to see him go uh again he is his press release was pretty emphatic he wants to end his monster journey with good memories ended with some silverware and let's hope that happens because i know we're two passionate monster supporters here uh name but uh yeah i mean this was inevitable when fekato's name got linked and was signed i'm just surprised that it's taken this long I suppose they needed to kind of release it now before the lead up to uh, the Champions Cup games kind of kick in. So I think all the best to Damien. We know that he will fully commit to the cause uh, going into the business end of the season. And I think, Liam, this is probably where the likes of Damien Delende does stand out, is in these marquee state games against Exeter Chiefs in Sandy Park, Tolman Park, Leinster in Tolman Park. You know, these absolute quality moments to really un- unlock it, uh, a game. So... Hopefully that'll happen for Munster in abundance with him, but we send him all our best anyway, and you know he'll leave no, no stone unturned. Yeah, I think for me, a, a controversy that may be brewing here, we may talk about it a little bit next week, is that World Rugby is investigating Spain on a potential ineligible player in one of their matches in the European Rugby Championship. I saw that news report today. Now, again, it has to be an investigation in line of inquiry, but this may make things a bit more messy. When you, we talk about Spain, you know, their first appearance since the 1990s in the World Cup. This was a phenomenal achievement from Spain to get into this World Cup. They will be playing Ireland in the World Cup 2023 as a pool opponent. But that now has been cast into doubt given reports today. So I think that is one that we will need to kind of watch because recall their few years ago again that previous world cup there was a bit of controversy around spain as well certain decisions didn't go their way there was a bit of a questionable officiating performance in one of their games Uh, it just seems to be hopefully that the registration of whoever it was from a spanish player perspective is not going to prevent spain from not going to 2023 world cup my god there's got to be legal ramifications here if it's proven that the registration wasn't was incorrect here what happens here? Because there was like of Portugal, Georgia, there was a few teams here that were vying for that uh, World Cup spot. So I think more to follow there. Um, in South Africa, there there was a, a, a podcaster and rugby rugby commentator, um, Garth Mason, G-Man, um, who had a podcast there called Walking Tall. And um, unfortunately, he passed there a few days ago. 
So oh, wow. I think he was also on um, three bods in a ball. <laughs> that yes, is a yeah. contribution uh, as a South African uh, perspective on that as well. So yeah, just to kind of um, kind of acknowledge that. Yeah, let's do it. Well, yeah, person talks to his family. I mean, yeah, do, do listen to that podcast. You know, he was a great contributor. God, that's a, that's a shock. I didn't realise that. Uh, I mean, thanks for bringing it up. Um, yeah, thoughts and prayers, condolences to everyone uh there rest in peace yeah um i suppose with that somber note uh yeah Liam, thanks very much for your time tonight i suppose next week we'll focus in on the brc action a few uh the local derby in uh Tolman park uh connacht and benetton and ulster coming back from the bulls maybe hoping for a bit of a result but we're not too sure and then looking at the champions cup class 16 maybe getting the crystal ball out and predicting a few winners there in the first leg uh thanks for your time Liam. appreciate it okay Mark. great thanks very much Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.